Welcome to Building Better Businesses. I'm Kristen Dees, founder of Catalyst Consulting, an agency that helps small businesses and entrepreneurs start, grow, and level up their businesses. This podcast will bring you interviews with experts in all things business related. Have questions for a business attorney? We've got answers. How about your health insurance? Got you covered there too. New episodes coming your way every week. Find us on the podcasting platform of your choice. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Building Better Businesses with Catalyst Consulting. My guest today is John Briggs, um, who is an accounting, tax, etc. wizard um, and a bit of a serial entrepreneur from my understanding. So well, maybe not like crazy serial, like a normal amount. Um, so thanks for joining me today. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. I don't know what normal serial means, but yeah. <laughs> I think there's some people that have like they're like always starting new businesses and you've just had a, a few, I think, right? <laughs> yes, just Yeah. I'm not addicted to the process yet. Yeah. Sounds terrible. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> a couple is fine. Um, but yeah. So tell us a little bit about you. Who is John? Yeah. So um, I have a family. I, I mean, here in Utah, started my accounting firm, um, gosh, 15 years ago. Um, I also own a gym. Um, well, owned a gym. We actually just sold it to someone else because uh, it's just become a distraction to what we need to do. Um, got four kids. They, I'm not going to be one of those guys. They like, they, oh, they're everything to me. I love my kids, but I'm also honest. And and I just spent a, a week and a half with them on fa- a family vacation. So I'm super <laughs> happy to be here without them screaming behind me in the car. <laughs> Um, but you know, I'm a realist. I ultimately, I think one thing to know about me is that I, I think small business owners carry the economy and so effectively the world on their backs and no one gives them enough attention. Uh, everything, all the media is focused on the big fortune 100 companies because they're big and they have all these valuations and they sell for a ton of money and a few people get super filthy rich off of it. And they're the ones paying the lobbyists to get different law changes enacted uh, all the while the people who are actually making a difference are the small business owners. So we're super passionate about helping them and helping them stay in business and understanding how they can be more profitable and all that good stuff. Nice. Yeah. I like that. I agree. We're just out here, you know, doing it, doing a thing, trying to live a dream. And um, yeah, I like it. Uh, what's a fun fact about you? That's something not everybody knows. Uh, that someone did not, I mean, I'm pretty open. So pretty much everyone knows all the weird things about me. Um, <laughs> man, uh, fun fact. I tried out for my college basketball team and I did not make it. That's, oh, a fun fact. that's not a fun I, fact. That's a sad fact. No, it, it is fun. <laughs> there was like 110 people who tried out and they took two. Oh, wow. That's a lot. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, good for you for going for it then, because that's that's a very slim chance. So, um, very cool. Uh, so, tell us a little bit more about what you do then for the work side of things and how you provide support for business owners and entrepreneurs. Yeah, so um, we look at the kind of major cash outflow that all of us have, which is taxes. We think business owners can grow their wealth, and that's our focus. And we've chosen to focus on how do we help them reduce their taxable income, have the right strategies in place. And while doing that, we can look at all of their cash outflows and help them develop kind of a cash flow management system that really is a lot easier to implement than a lot of other systems out there. So that it's the business owner knows what's going on with their money. They have an easy routine that they can follow. And by following that routine, they slowly improve the financial health of their business as well, which ironically helps them stay in business a lot longer when they have a lot more cash left over. Uh, Weird, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, it totally makes sense. I know it's really intimidating. I was just talking to someone else about this earlier today, how um, when people don't necessarily know what they need to know, or they don't have the experience, they don't understand like what's cash flow and how does it work? Um, and how you, why you need to know the things about your business and like your, your numbers and all of that is such a huge, huge piece of it of just like finding sanity and balance too, at some point down the road, you know, so you're not just like forever hustling, grinding until you die. And then you're like, 
my business isn't, is my business profitable? I don't know. Like it pays the bills, but yeah. And like all the, so. all the sexy stuff out there for, for business owners is how do I sell more? How do I get more clients? Yeah. Like, Oh, I mean that stuff, man, it inundated in front of their faces. Mm-hmm. And usually while that could be a solution, it's usually never the only solution. And a lot of times for our clients, the solution that actually makes a difference is identifying how do, the, how do we improve our cash flow? Meaning, how do I look at the expense side of things too? I can't just manage revenue coming in and figure more is better. Because I don't know if you've noticed this with your client work. As the client's income increases, usually the expenses increase at the exact same pace, if not faster than mm-hmm. the income. Which is why a cash flow management system that helps like put boundaries and control over that helps them because now as they're growing, they're actually growing their profit margins. They're not just growing and making themselves have a bigger headache, right? Mm-hmm. It, it actually becomes something that has this, it's systemized and, uh, you know, they, they take home more money, which is mm-hmm. good. Well, I think that's a pretty common problem too, because uh, I'm sure you're well aware <laughs> that like, our society in particular doesn't really teach us how to be good at managing our money in general. So like when you're not, if you're not already good at that skill as a person, like just an individual, and then you start a business, I think you kind of run into a lot of the same things where you make more money. So you spend more money. And then you're like, well, I want to spend more money. So I should make some more money. And then it's just the, you know, the exponential increase. Um, So it makes sense too that would translate over into, you know, owning a small business too, um, which is like doubly affecting you essentially. So yeah. Yeah. Um, how would you kind of describe a cash flow? Like how, what is a cash flow management system? Does that make sense? Cause like, I don't, I don't think a lot of people really know what that means, like how it logistically translates. Um, well, let me first, let me tell you this story that it, this will help, I think, understand the problem. And then by understanding the problem, I think they'll understand how this cash flow management, like what mm-hmm. it means to them. So my first job out of college was a, as a controller for a door-to-door sales company. And controller just is a fancy title for head accountant. So still doing accounting work. Um, not a lot of control, actually. So it's an- <laughs> and I'm sitting there and the president of the company comes running in. He's like totally out of breath. And he's like, dude, you got to lock the doors. Don't let anyone know you're here today. I mean, being an accountant is generally a pretty typically boring job. So sure, sure. Safe. Felt like, felt like he was being a bit dramatic. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, okay, what's going on? Because um, we had just celebrated a record year in sales. And the weekend before, we had our end of year celebration where we handed our sales reps checks, 10, 20, 30,000, like massive checks uh, for their sales bonuses. Like, dude, we just almost hit $30 million in revenue. What the hell is going on? Can I say that here? Oh, yeah. What the heck is going on? Yeah. Oh, shucks. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And he said, well, the loan that the owner had been working on, because he needed a loan, even after almost $30 million revenue, he still needed a loan to cover the back-end commission checks. He didn't get it. He didn't get the loan. So all the checks that we wrote, (gasps) <gasps> no, we're bouncing and oh. all the sales reps were going to come into the office to ask for another check. And he's like, and if you write those, those are also going to bounce. Um, so what happened now, this is a extreme example. Most small businesses aren't dealing with 30 million in revenue <laughs> or $20,000 checks, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, the numbers doesn't don't matter. Like I've had clients who had do twenty thousand in revenue who have the same problem. What's going on is Parkinson's law. Parkinson's law states that the demand for something expands to match the supply. So said in terms for us as business owners, the demand for our cash, the demand to spend our cash will continue to increase until we no longer have any cash to spend. So usually we have one business bank account. And in that bank account, we have all the income coming in. We pay out all the checks. We're looking at one bank account, which means usually if I need to spend money as an owner, I'm going to look at the bank account. Do I have money in there? Cool. I'll spend it. But we don't 
stop to pause and say, hmm, $100 came into my account. Is all that $100 mine? Not really. Um, like, I'm not aware of a country that doesn't tax you. <laughs> so oh, when you ask, yeah. you know, like, right. Drop um, a line. I'm gonna have yeah. to pay, pay a portion of tax. Uh, I've committed to pay my landlord or I've committed to pay my team or I have vendors that I have commitments to. So that $100, I really should be kind of isolating the money that I know is already committed to something else and set it aside so that I don't think I have $100 to spend. By setting aside the money for good purposes, we now can look at the balance and say, oh, that's the dollar amount I can use to run my business and make decisions off of. So, um, and that's kind of a long way around to explain the problem and, and the cash flow management. But the idea is you want a system that allows you to separate your financial commitments that you've already made um, in an easy, digestible way so that you're not overwhelmed as a business owner. Because the last thing we need is, is some other crazy thing that we need to do because it's going right. to help our business, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's okay. No, that totally makes sense. Yeah. So it's almost like the like a broader sense of like a budget where it's like one, you have to know where you're putting the stuff and like when it's supposed to go to those places. And then two, um, the strategy of like here, it's over here. So I can't, I can't touch it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, yeah. one of the, uh, one of the ways that I've heard other people describe it when we've, when they've learned it is, Oh, it's kind of like the envelope system. Yeah. Where you get your of. monthly check you put cash, you know, this is my food envelope. This is my for fun envelope. So you have different envelopes mm-hmm. so that you know, like where the money should be coming out of. Um, yeah. I'm not a big fan of the B word. I don't like budget because I do think people do it wrong and it turns mm-hmm. them off. But this, in my mind, replaces the need to even have a budget because um, the system we use goes off of percentages. So if your income coming in, what percent needs to go to my tax account? What percent should I set aside to make sure I'm paid as the owner? What percent needs to get set aside for operating expenses? Those types of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and by doing it a percentage, as your business continues to grow, now we don't have that problem that our expenses are increasing at the same pace because those specific expenses are a f- effectively a fixed percentage of the income. Okay. No, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Um, and is that something that you kind of just developed over your time and experience, like the, the system for the cash flow management that you use? No, actually. Um, so it's based on profit first written by Michael oh. Kalowitz mm-hmm. and, um, he originated the system. I'm a mastery level profit first professional. And I also wrote a derivative book for the micro gym industry. So I, I wrote the book profit first for micro gyms. Mm-hmm. Um, we did, we definitely tweaked his system to fit the industry and the needs of that industry, but no, it, it's his system. Um, and, uh, as anyways, we just, it's so good. It's mm-hmm. so good. It's my bookkeeper, um, is a big fan as well. She's not certified in it, but she, that's her system that she uses as well for like teaching people that kind of stuff. Um, we're actually just starting to work on that cause I've always been, bookkeeping was one of the first things that I outsourced because I'm like, I know how to do, I know how to do the thing. And I know I'd like, I just don't want to put this stuff in there. I'm like, that's not my jam. And she loves it. I was like, it's great. Um, so yeah, we just hadn't gotten that far yet. I hadn't been able to t- take a step back. And so she's been doing it for over a year, which is kind of almost a nice place to be like, Hey, she understands what I'm doing and how my business runs. And now we can kind of like do some of those things too. So um, that's cool. Yeah. It makes sense to me. I think it makes sense to a lot of people just from the um, like how widespread, like the whole, the envelope concept is Dave Ramsey, whoever, whatever, like all that kind of stuff. So having it like set aside, um, cause that's how I do saving stuff is like the money just automatically goes over here and it's just where it goes. <laughs> I don't look at it. Uh, it's great. So cool. Okay. Um, so you kind of talked about this. So you came out of college, you went to college for accounting, right. Yeah. And then worked somewhere else. Like how did you end up, uh, with your own, um, firm and then also into the the micro gym specialty. That's kind of an interesting little niche. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I got my master's degree in tax and ended up as a controller for 
uh, this door-to-door sales company. They went bankrupt, so I kind of needed another job. <laughs> um, at that time, so I had already done a stint at Deloitte before my first job out of college. Uh, Deloitte's a big four accounting firm. So most other accounting firms base their models off of one of the big four. They just kind of mm. copy and do exactly what they do. So I worked there. But then as um, this company went under, my neighbor at the time I knew had just started his own accounting firm. So I said, do you need help? So I just kind of was like, I'm happy to be your employee. I have good experience. Um, I have a master's degree, which you don't have. Uh, <laughs> I can tell you what not to do when it comes to run a running a firm. Um, and so we started up and within a couple of weeks, he said, you know, it probably makes sense just to bring you on as a partner. Uh, and I thought at that time, like, Ooh, that's really cool. I'll be an owner of an accounting firm. He gave me two and a half percent ownership. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hey, you're a owner, right? <laughs> yeah. It's hilarious now to think about like, ultimately the guy did it because he knew that legally, if he doesn't have any money, you don't have to pay partners. <laughs> nice. But if I were a W2 employee, he'd have to pay me. <laughs> Um, oh, the lessons you and, learn, right? <laughs> and that becomes important later on because after working with them, you know, if, if I brought on a new client, which I did a lot of, I would do, do the work. If they ended up getting like a client referral and a new client came on, I did the work. And I noticed this trend where like I was doing all the work and I thought, yeah, it just doesn't feel fair. And we got to a point too where based on bad pricing models and over hiring fam- their family members, um, we weren't profitable. And so there was like a six month period as an owner of an accounting firm, I didn't make a single dime. Oh, and so yeah. that led me to be like, you know, maybe this two and a half percent ownership isn't what it's cracked out to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm already not making any money. So it literally can't get any worse than what <laughs> yeah. it is now. So I took the leap, went off on my own, and I've never looked back. We have 32 employees now. Oh, um, nice. We're a multiple seven-figure firm, and we're just not making the same mistakes they made. So mm-hmm. during that process, um, I actually found another book of Mike Michalowicz called The Pumpkin Plan. It's based on how farmers grow prize-winning pumpkins and he compares the analogy of growing a giant pumpkin to what business owners can do in finding a niche or niche, however you want to say the word. What, yeah, I know. Yeah. I think I say it both ways, honestly. I think <laughs> I switch it up every time because I get I get nervous. <laughs> <laughs> um, and one of the great things about Mike Michalowicz's books, um, if you guys have never heard of him, I check him out. He's got quite a few really great books out there because his goal is to eradicate entrepreneurial poverty. So it's always written towards a small business owner. Really good stuff. Clockwork, fix this next. Um, I love the guy. Super great book. Anyways, he provides really valuable tools. And I, I did the exercises. And I found that we really enjoy working with gym owners. And they were great clients. So we thought, let's start doing a lot of marketing towards them. So we market a lot towards gym owners. But at the same time, they still only represent about 30% of our overall clients. Um, we, we work a lot with real estate investors and realtors um, and just, you know, small business service people, business coaches, those types. Um, but yeah, that that's kind of how I got at least in that niche. And at this point, I think I haven't had anyone um, tell me they know of another firm that has more, but we have more accounting. We have more gym owner clients than any other accounting firm in the U.S., Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's working for us like his thing, become a big pumpkin. Even if it's in a small pond, you're still a big pumpkin to them. And so we continue to improve, you know, everything that we do and uh, we're growing in that niche, but we love all small business owners. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like that too. I mean, cause it makes sense. And I don't, I don't specifically have a niche, (laughs) Whatever. Uh, I feel like we can make up a different word instead of that one. But um, yeah, because like I, I kind of have like my target client has always been more about like um, kind of the general like big picture. Like I'm looking for the next like six months to a year to start focusing on larger small businesses where they have like 10 to 20 employees. They've been established for a little while getting out of some of the like startup space. 
you know, because it's it can be tiring for them and for me. Um, but yeah, I like I like having the different the challenges and stuff. I do sort of accidentally have a niche in real estate as well. Um, so that's one thing that I keep fighting. I'm like, I, do I just want to like market this like hardcore because it's a, there's a need, um, or do I want to keep like? But I like it's encouraging that you've like focused on a specific niche like um, the micro gyms and then still have. 70% other clients too. Cause I like the difference. I like having different stuff too. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I remember making that decision when I read the book and going through it, like, Oh, am I really going to do this? Where our messaging out there is basically going to be written towards the gym owner. Am I going to ostracize everyone else in the world? Mm-hmm. And one, if we only took on gym owner clients, we would still be fine. We would probably amp up our marketing efforts, um, things like that, mm-hmm. because you do want to pick an, a market or a specific focus uh, that's a big <laughs> enough. It's big enough to support, like mm-hmm. your need. you know. For us as an accounting firm, small business, like you don't need. I don't need every single client. I don't need every single fitness professional. I don't. You know, um, we're just happy to service who is interested in it. But it's scary for sure. It was. It was scary. Um, all I know is that. It doesn't mean I can't say yes to other people. It just helps us with our messaging because now we know mm-hmm. we we've been doing it for so long. I was a gym owner for three years. Like I get it. I understand mm-hmm. them emotionally. And so we can really write to their pain points and show them how our things will legit help them. Yeah. No, it makes sense. Cause I mean, that's really the whole point of um, identifying a target audience is that you're, you're speaking directly to that type of person's issues and you can't do that as effectively if you're trying to reach all the people. Um, Cause like I hear all the time from clients, they're like, I don't have any, I don't have a, my, my product works for everyone. And I'm like, I mean, yeah, like, yeah, probably, but, but who do you actually want to work with? Because I can promise you, you don't want to work with everyone for starters. Um, and who really connects with you and why? And like, that's really the, like, you know, it's like pick a, Pick something that's like, hey, this general, because yeah. like a twenty-year-old is not going to be the same as a sixty-year-old in <laughs> almost every way. Right. <laughs> you know? So, and and that's the thing, right? People want to be in a story. They want to be invited into our story, mm-hmm. and the way to do that is by understanding their needs. So, by having that target audience selected and the specific focus you're going after, you can tell the story that you know you're the mentor of, you're the guide of. If no one's heard of story brand or building a story brand by Don Miller, another like must read book for all small business owners. Mm-hmm. That's what it's geared towards is like, you're not Luke, you're Yoda. And you need to write like you're Yoda and write like they're Luke. You know, those of you who don't know, that's a Star Wars reference. <laughs> um, yeah. You have to bring them into the story, but not in a way where you're like, I'm the hero, come to me. You have to invite them into the story as, we can guide you so that you can be the hero. Mm-hmm. And it's so no, much easier to do that if you have a, if you have a specific focus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Like that. That's a good analogy. Um, yeah. I was just talking to somebody else about story brand too. Uh, a buddy of mine, he was also on the podcast. He's a marketing guy. And so he was just talking about getting story brand certified. So um, now I'm like, well, I guess I have two people in like two days have said it. So now I have to learn about it. Same thing with profit first. I'm like, crap, I have to read a book. Uh, well, crap. Listen I digress. Yeah, I love to read books, but I only read books for fun. So it's really hard for me to read other ones if for whatever reason. So that was the whole conversation I was like, man, now I got to read profit first. All right. John said, okay. <laughs> but anyway, that was good. That was a digression. Um, what do you think? I guess we kind of touched on this a little bit too, but what's the greatest challenge business owners face when it comes to their finances? Like grand scheme. Yeah, keeping more of it. Um, I mean, ultimately, if, if we want to leave a legacy, whether that's the ability to sell our business or walk away and let it function without us, you have to have cash left over. We call that profitability. But if you don't have that, you're, you're toast. Like literally, if you do not have cash left over, you're either funding it through credit card or other sort of forms of debt or you have a second job or a first job and the business is kind of now on the back burner. Like 
the expenses have to be funded somehow. And if customers aren't paying for it, you're paying for it somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the biggest thing is they, and it's not sexy. It, they just, it's never going to be as sexy as like, come to this seminar and we're going to learn and we're going to teach you how to get 10,000 customers in an hour. Like, wow, yeah. that sounds amazing. Hey, come to our seminar. We're going to tell you how to make better decisions on spending money. <laughs> oh yeah, that sounds great. Why don't you Name. punch me in the face with a brick, you know? Um, but I think we just, I hopefully business owners can get past because what you can do with profitability and a healthy gym or business is sexy, right? Yeah. That's the dream. Like that's the yeah. whole dream. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so it, it's kind of like fitness, which is another reason why we love the gym space because there's such a correlation to growing your wealth and the way fitness works with our bodies. But let's be honest, the actual workout part, like in my mind, there's nothing sexy about that. People are making weird faces. They're making crazy <laughs> noises. Yeah. They're like beyond sweaty, like a gross sweaty. Yeah. Like, I mean, I get, I me sweat too. all over the place, me right? <laughs> yeah. That's not sexy. No. Uh-uh. Afterwards, when you are fit and toned and trimmed, that is. It's no different financially. Like mm-hmm. using a cash flow management system is kind of like doing the exercises so that you can enjoy the profitability, which then allows you to do some of these fun things. With profitability, you have time to invest in the marketing and you'll know that, oh, when I do bring on new clients, I'm not making my problem worse. I'm making my healthy business even bigger, right? Because mm-hmm. if without a cash flow system, I've had clients grow themselves out of business because they did not pay attention to the expenses. They would not take the time to sit down and analyze it because like, oh, we're going at this clip. I better hire this many people because we're going to be it here at this point. I mean, they're spending money for a future that hasn't even happened yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, that's not necessarily a bad concept, but if you don't do it the right way without boundaries around it, which these guys didn't, wouldn't put into place, they, yeah, they went out of business. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, and I like that. I mean, the gym stuff too, it's, it's all discipline. Um, it's doing the shitty stuff now so that you can right. have the benefits later in general. That's something, um, cause I've been going to the gym consistently for the, uh, like six months or something like that. Like I've always dabbled. I've always been, you know, I'll try this, um, this fat or this boutique gym. Answer. I've dabbled. I've dabbled. Yeah. <laughs> I've always been fairly sporty and athletic, but I've never like actually stuck with something for a long time. Um, but that's definitely, <laughs> I'm, I'm the sweaty kid. Uh, I started powerlifting. So now I do make really weird faces. Cause I'm like, <laughs> this is not like my body's like, what are you doing, dude? Like, uh, it was really embarrassing that I realized cause I was doing it at mirror. I was doing like some shoulder stuff, which is, you know, you could do like four pounds cause it's your shoulders. But I was like, Oh my God, what is happening? Like, this is so awful. I'm like, no one look at me. Like everyone look away, but, um, it is, it's really, it's worth it in the long run, you know? Cause like, it's a whole different level, even just where I'm at. Like I'm still at the beginning of that journey, like, especially when it comes to lifting and all of that, but the payoff on quality of life, my ability to go out and do things. I'm extremely active. I golf, I play tennis, I hike all the time. I want to crazy level probably. Yeah. Up. Yep. Yeah. And it's just like, oh my God, like just from, you know, lifting, spin, whatever. I don't know. It's a whole, yeah. So it's like, I just can't even imagine what it's going to be like, you know, in a few years after um, doing all this, I'll be able to. Well, and it's no different financially. Like yeah. if you are living paycheck to paycheck at that, there's an energy about that. That isn't great. Mm-hmm. Especially if you know that crap, I'm living paycheck to paycheck and I don't know how I'm going to pay myself this month. Yeah. Once you figure that out and the profitability is there and you're paying yourself regularly, there's a new energy about it and you approach work in a completely different way because the truth is at a paycheck to paycheck or running at a loss scenario, you have desperation, whether you admit it or not, you're making decisions out of desperation mm-hmm. and that's not healthy. Yeah. Taking clients that you maybe really don't want or don't align with your exactly. particular, your values or somebody like taking, um, cause I did this a lot in the meeting too. And I'm sure a lot of people do where you just take whatever client will have you. Cause you're like, I need to build my name. I need to get my name out there. Um, and you don't always have the freedom at that point in time, or at least don't feel like you do. Cause like you said, it's that like the desperation. What, who says desperation is the stinky cologne? Is that from Anchorman? Do you know? What I'm ta- I don't know. Like, I think it's Anchorman. He's like, desperation is a stinky cologne, but it's true. Um, 
And there's, it really is all related. Yeah, welcome to my podcast. Um, <laughs> random, random things. I'm going to Google it later. But anyway, um, yeah, when you're, and I feel like too, when you're looking at things with the future perspective, which is the whole point of like the cash flow management system is like, oh, I know what's happening. I know what's coming. Um, this is what I can see down the road. And if we continue at this clip, then at this point, we should be able to do X, Y, and Z. We should be able to um, move into a larger building, hire more people, whatever it is. But when you're always like behind the ball, it has such a different, like, even if you're doing project management stuff, right? If people are like, hey, did you did you do the thing? Hey, did you do the thing? And you're like, Shh, no, I forgot to do the thing. Like, oh my God, it's like getting ahead of the curve is a whole different um, feeling for sure. So anyway, we go on that yeah, forever. Yeah, you were saying, I heard someone, I, w- I wish I could say I came up with this phrase, but I heard someone else say it. He's like, look, if you're going out there and you're just looking to like take on a customer f- for whatever they're willing to pay you, you're a price to toot. I was like, oh, <laughs> that's, that's great. Funny. Yeah, I was there. Like I literally remember saying the words when I first went off on my own. I'm like, yeah, these are my fees. Oh, I don't know if I want to pay that. How much do mm-hmm. you want to pay me? You know, like yeah. how much do you want to pay me? I will take whatever because mm-hmm. I was so desperate to like have money and put food on the table that I was not making great decisions. And you know what? Not a single one of those people are clients now because as yeah. you learn and grow and develop, you realize, wow, those guys, you really like, unless your business model is the sole purpose of I'm beating everyone's price and somehow you're profitable on that. Everyone else I promise you, you want people who value what you do mm-hmm. and who, you're, who are not looking for just the cheapest price out there. Those are not good clients. I've never had a client, I've never had one of our tax clients say, oh yeah, I bring on people who are looking for the cheapest price and they're amazing to work with. No one has ever said that to me. <laughs> Literally never happened. Uh, I've, I find that those people are the most difficult to work with. They want more for less and they have higher expectations. They ha- It's like, you got to have like boundary conversations about like, you can't call me at 9 PM because <laughs> it's just not that important. Um, whatever, you know, like all those kinds of things there. It's a completely different headspace. So um, yeah, but it's like you said, it's one of those things you kind of learn as you go. And people have such a hard time with that. Like the pricing conversation anyway, like that's just such, that's such a common problem is like feeling like they're feeling gross or feeling guilty for charging a certain um, price. Yeah is is always a challenge too i think so um but yeah seriously the worst don't yeah don't do it don't do it guys fight it don't do it it. um so what about so with taxes what do you think is one of the most damaging or confusing myths surrounding taxes in general um you know the first thing we always look at with clients is the right entity selection. So when I say entity, I'm referring to your choice of if you're an LLC or a partnership or an S corporation, those are entities. And if you don't have the right one, uh, you are overpaying in taxes. I can tell you most service-based businesses that we work with, the S corporation is by and far the best choice for them. But the myth is that it is a little bit more complicated than a simple LLC or filing your as a sole proprietor, which means you just put your information, your business information on your personal tax return, which is a huge audit trigger. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And so S corps are better, even though they're slightly more work, but they save our clients more in taxes than what we even charge them uh, to do the extra work. And so yeah, choosing the right entity selection is good. Um, another myth is that when you get an IRS letter that it's true, not the case. I would say 80% of the IRS letters we get from our clients uh, from the IRS, uh, it's not accurate. I mean, you're talking about a defunct organization that if they were not government owned or ran, they would have gone bankrupt and out of business a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And honestly, they usually hire people who... Um, got turned down for their first, second, third, and 800th choice of employment. So they don't really have happy staff. Um, They're not trained on the things that they're actually sending you letters on. So don't ever believe an IRS letter. Always get a second opinion from a professional. Um, Chances are you can save money 
by just not having, I mean, it's just crazy. I, I actually think sometimes they're like, hey, we're running out of money. Hey, IRS, can you send out some letters? Because they know that a good percentage of Americans are just going to pay it without thinking twice about it, even though it's not remotely correct at all. It's like a Nigerian print scam, but our own government. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I That's mean, it makes great, sense. Right? Yeah. Awesome. Yep. Because psychologically, people are going to be like, oh, shit, the IRS. Like, okay, I'm going to send them what I, yeah, here we go. Write a check. Oh. Um, side note, I looked it up and it's Super Troopers as desperation is, is a stinky cologne. So just, okay. we can all rest easy tonight. Um, yeah. yeah. Thank God. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm here for you. Uh, no, that, that makes sense. And that's good. I mean, a lot of this stuff too, like have an accountant. They're not as expensive as you think they are either. Like that's, um, a lot of this stuff, like as I've started to grow and expand my business and added, you know, a bookkeeper and added an accountant, I'm like, Oh, it's not that bad. And also it's kind of like, I feel like having, um, an attorney on hand is like someone that you can ask questions. It's like, Hey, person who's trained for years and has a very fancy degree, (laughs) you know, so much about this, like is like with the IRS letter situation or something where you're talking about like the um, entity formation and stuff. Like a lot of people just do an LLC because they're like, that's what I'm supposed to do. Right. Um, I mean, maybe, but not always. Yeah. And usually it's, Oh, I heard from my neighbor's cousin's brother who is an accounting student at some university that I should do this. It's like, yeah, yeah don't, don't get your advice that way. I mean, <laughs> the, the truth is a good accountant should be saving you more in taxes and like growth retention than what their fees cost you. All accountants should be an investment. If they're not, that's not the right accountant for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and honestly, those I'm, I'm actually trying to change the industry. I would like to raise the bar for accountants um, there's just too much complacency out there. And there, it is true. There are a lot of accountants out there where you feel like they actually work for the government because they don't want to do anything other than tell you, you can't do that, um, yeah. which isn't true. The tax code is freaking 76,000 plus pages. There's a lot of stuff you can do because it's a long, complicated thing of, of code and law that's super confusing with exception upon exception. There could be a way. But if your accountant is just flat out saying, no, you can't do that. Um, yeah. Try to find someone who is actually going to save you more money in taxes. And like with our case, we do the tax side and we do the cash side. So a good accountant should also be able to provide some consulting for you so that you're seeing, oh, I can see how I can maintain better profit margins, which mm-hmm. is a gift that now keep giving year after year. Yeah. Yeah, I think it for me too, like when you're hiring any kind of um, like long term professional relationship type person, um, you know, bookkeeper, accountant, attorney, whatever, there's lots of different ones, insurance agent, is this like someone who will take the time to like sit down and talk to you and try and understand what you're trying to accomplish? What's your long term vision? Um, are you trying to be a flabbity jillionaire or do you just want to be like a thousandaire? Like, that's fine too. Like, what are we trying to do? You know, um, are you what types of businesses do you want to have down the road? Like uh, there's just so many different things. And so like, for me, um, it took a while to find someone where it was like, I can just call her and be like, Hey, like I have a really dumb question, (laughs) but like, what's this thing? And she's like, Oh, you know? And so we just have a conversation or when we were talking about LLC versus S corp, I was like, do I need, like, where are we at? Like, and she asked me questions and was like, again, what's your long-term goal? What are you trying to accomplish? Um, how do you want to pay yourself? How do you want to pay blah, blah, blah. So um, it's worth it to be able to find someone that will sit and like take the time with you to like understand and help you understand what you're trying to accomplish. Cause sometimes we don't even know as business owners, right? Like that's the whole point of, of having smart people back you up. Um, Same thing with financial planners too. Dude, I interviewed like 12 at least over like the year proceeding finding one that i finally was like yeah okay yeah. all right but it's like don't settle man like that's the whole don't settle right in any relationship in your life okay <laughs> whether it's clients or um business partners whatever don't settle that's, don't settle Love don't it. settle that's the one thing we're taking away <laughs> desperation is a sticky cologne um <laughs> <laughs> so um the other question i kind of had too on the tax stuff is uh, when it comes to writing off expenses, um, I feel like this is one of those also mythical things where like your cousin's brothers, wh- however you describe it, yeah. sister's law student 
tax attorney friend. Um, what common mistakes do you see business owners make or like what are some tips that um, you wish everyone knew? <laughs> yeah, so um, here's the bottom line. So the tax code says a business owner can write off something if it's ordinary and necessary. And then those two words weren't clear enough. So then they said, well, is it helpful and useful? And then some other definition. Again, more words that aren't very clear. But so the way to best interpret that for us who speak human um, (laughs) is if you're spending a dollar for your business and it's related to that business in any form, shape or fashion, then it's a write off. That's what ordinary and necessary means. Um, And so many owners are so afraid of the IRS that they don't think about that. Like if I am traveling somewhere and I can do business in that place, you better believe I'm traveling to that place for business. And if I so happen to take my family to Disneyland as part of that trip, I can still write off a good chunk of my business trip. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I'm spending a dollar, is it related to my business in some way? Is it related? Then that's a write-off. Yeah, that makes sense. That's good. Cause that's the approach I've been following so far <laughs> is like, Oh, I'm meeting this person. We're talking about work. So this meal is on my business. Uh, what about, do you have to like keep track of all the specifics of like who you meet with and that kind of stuff? Yeah. If you're audited, on the meals, they are going to want to know who it was with and what the discussion was. Like, a, like usually I write a few words. Okay. Uh, you know, lunch, Wade, business growth. Okay. I'm asking for a friend because I totally already do that. What are you talking about? Yeah. I should have asked for a friend. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I mean, my bookkeeper sees the stuff. Like, that counts right. But I'm like, it's again, it's one of those things. Um that's just like in the habit of doing it. But um, I wasn't sure because that's also a thing too that you kind of get mixed messages on sometimes. Um, well, not you, the the rest of us, the rest right. of us people. Uh, what was the other question I had? Oh, have you ever, do you see examples? I'm sure you do of like people writing off stuff they shouldn't be writing off. Like yeah. how does. <laughs> um, so I had a client one time, he made really good money doing network marketing. And so he did a lot of presentations and we had told him, look, if you have to look nice for your presentation, those clothes, those nice clothes you buy should be business deductions because you're buying them to look good when you present. He had just bought a hundred thousand dollar belt buckle. What? (laughs) And I said, that's probably a little aggressive. So I was not willing to take that as a write-off. That's not ordinary or necessary, sir. It's not necessary. (laughs) In Um, any way, shape, or form, is that necessary? I I have a feeling your clients aren't signing up because you don't, like, oh, I had a 900, I had a $90,000 belt buckle, and no one signed up. The second I got a $100,000 belt buckle, man, what leads were flooding in. Yeah, nailed it. Not going to happen, so... That's yeah, amazing. we just have to be smart about it. Um, we we like we like it when we can identify business purpose to things, but I mean that obviously is is psychotic. Don't hundred thousand dollars? That's crazy. We had another. I had a client. Um, he loved to do like model sculpting, um, specifically of like superhero comic figures, mm-hmm. and he had spent a great deal of money on it. In my mind, for a hobby. Um, he's paid like $10,000 for a class and apparently the model and stuff he had to buy, he spent another like, or modeling clay, sorry. He spent another like $6,000 during the year on this what? modeling clay stuff. I mean, don't worry, his stuff looked legit. It was awesome, but he wanted to write it off as a business expense. I'm like, okay, well, how many have you sold? Uh, he said, I haven't sold any. Okay. Not a problem. You don't have to make any money. You don't have to be a good business owner to claim a legal tax deduction. But here was the kicker. I said, how have you attempted to sell them? He's like, oh, I haven't, I I wouldn't sell them. I'm not trying to sell them. Okay. So it's not a business if you're not trying to sell it. Mm -hmm. At a minimum, he would need to be able to show he made some sort of effort. He had a website out there that maybe didn't have great traffic and he didn't have to sell any, but if there's not even a way for people to buy his stuff, 
what's the business purpose? And so that's what we kind of ran into that hurdle. Again, mm-hmm. I've had clients who have had uh, businesses that haven't made any money, but we claimed deductions because they tried to make money. Uh, they just didn't make any. But this mm-hmm. guy wasn't even trying to make money. Bless his heart. But he's good at what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. That's... I mean, he's got a great collection for himself. But yeah. He doesn't want to sell because he spent so much time on them. Yeah. Which I guess, I mean, makes sense. Everyone's got to have a hobby. Um, yeah. Hobbies are great. They're, they're not a right off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's good to know. Good to know. John says no. Uh, <laughs> even if it's cool. I'm so sorry, but no. Uh that's too funny. So um, what ways do you see that business owners keep leaving money on the table? Um, yeah. Well, we've talked about the S election. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I cannot tell you how many people don't have the right entity. And that change alone, if changing your entity usually doesn't mean you have to change your bank accounts. It doesn't change the way you spend money or the way things are deposited. Like it's a simple fix on the back end with the, your state or with the IRS. Uh, but yeah, a lot of money is getting left on the table there. Um, I see a lot of clients not claiming all their travel deductions that they should be taking. Cell phone gets missed. Home internet gets missed. Those are all viable business deductions, um, assuming you can justify it. But for most of our clients have been able to. Um, and then the other way money is left on the table is j- these d- business owners aren't taking the time to look at their actual numbers on a regular basis. So one of the things that we do with clients who sign up for Profit First is one of the first few meetings we have with them is, as sexy as it sounds, um, we go over their last three months of expenses, line item by line item, every single Mm -hmm. expense. And we go through a series of questions and we try to find out how did this help you as a business owner? How is it increasing your revenue? Is it increasing retention? Like what's going on there? Every single time, every single time, they either say, um, I, have, I don't know what that is, <laughs> or they say, I thought I canceled that. Oh. Mm-hmm. That's money left on the table. If you, because you're not looking at it regularly, I mean, is the vendor still charging you? Did they honor your request to cancel subscription? Mm-hmm. Uh, in the gym space, that does not, I mean, that happens a lot more rarely than I would have thought where they, the gym owner cancels, but the vendor still keeps charging them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other one is if you don't know what the expenses, uh, there's a strong possibility that that's not serving your business since you don't know what it is. You should be aware of all the things that are helping your business. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, we often can find five to 10% of their expenses. that could be cut immediately. So to me, that's leaving money on the table. You are, you're wasting it. You're, you're burning it. Um, and and there's, you're not getting any outcome out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That actually just happened to me. Um, cause I have a monthly meeting with my bookkeeper and we just, we look at the P and L and kind of like look at all the different things. Cause I am actually pretty picky about where things get classified because I want, I want to know, I want to have more detail down the road. I'm sure you would agree is better than less detail down the road. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, even though I'm not necessarily looking at this, um, from, that type, like a data measure, measurement perspective, uh, I will probably at some point. So I'm like, I care a lot. I used to manage P&Ls for big businesses. So it was like, I care. Uh, anyway, uh, we were looking at some stuff and I was like, what's that? I'm like, why am I getting charged twice for, uh, it was a subscription to like Rocket Lawyer or one of those like legal Zoom, something like that. I was like, that doesn't make any sense. And she's like, yeah, it looks like you actually have gotten charged twice a month um, for the last couple of months. And so I went and canceled both of them. Cause I actually was like, I don't really actually need the other one anymore yeah. either. Like I needed it for a couple different legal forms. Like I just needed some templates. Um, and so once we looked at, it, I was like, Oh, I guess I don't actually need <laughs> the one I wanted <laughs> or the extra one that I did. I signed up for a trial on another email at some point and didn't catch that it like kept going. Um, and then I was also paying for, uh, the, whatever the other one was. So I had two for like legal zoom one for rocket lawyer. And I was like, good God, Kristen, <laughs> like, get it together. Um, so I immediately canceled. It was like 120 bucks a month. Yeah. But if I, you didn't I mean, that, yeah. Cause most business owners aren't looking at it. So you at least only that, I mean, that happens to all of us. It was like a we, couple few months. Yeah. It wasn't terrible, yeah, but it wasn't terrible, but we are yeah. all going to make bad expense choices. Yeah. It, 
part of being in business. You try something out, it doesn't work. But that's why you review it because then it forces you to ask yourself, is this working or not working? But if you don't, like imagine, like if you didn't, you're going to go all the way till next year. And the first time you're likely going to look at your numbers is when you have to prepare your taxes and you got to get them ready for your tax guy, right? You're like, oh, what the hell are all these rocket lawyer charges? I don't even yeah. use this thing. I don't even know how to log into this thing anymore. <laughs> right? $1,500. So $1, uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. It quickly becomes $1,000 and $1,200. And yeah. So yeah, we you know review your expenses. It's very good. Mm-hmm. It's so nice to you on something like QuickBooks or whatever, like any where it's just, it's electric. You just click it. It's like, that number seems weird. That's usually how our cover. I'm like, that seems like a weird amount. And then we'll click on it. And I'm like, oh yeah. Um, I always forget on my Venmo to switch it sometimes, like when I'm doing a personal or business. So I'm like, oh, sorry, that was, can we make that one owner's pay? <laughs> Oops, I yeah. forgot. It's my trainer. Um, but yeah, so it's, yeah, I think that's such an important thing. Um, but people get scared. I think just like with anything else, like the money stuff, I think scares people. So, um, but yeah, look at it. Cancel those subscriptions. Seriously. <laughs> I spend so much money on subscriptions every month. It's bonkers. And I, I know they're afraid of it, but I think the fear comes from just them not knowing what to do when they do it. Mm-hmm. I don't think that I actually don't think business owners are afraid of the numbers so much as they're afraid of, I'm looking at the number, but I don't know what to do about it. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Cause I was just talking to someone yesterday about, um, she's like, I don't, I, I can't work on my business. I have a really hard time working on my business. I try setting the time aside and then I'm like, I get to it. And then I just go, Lah, I'm just going to open my email and do stuff instead. And so over the course of a conversation, I was like, oh, is it because you don't know what you're supposed to do when you're working on your business? She's like, yes. Like, I, what am I, what does working on my business mean? <laughs> I was like, that totally makes sense, dude. So uh, anyway, long story short, I was like, that's a really nice thing to have as a checklist for people be like, hey, when you're working on your business, here are some things that you should do. She's like, yeah, that would be so helpful. She's like, I've never run a business. And now I have my own insurance agency. And I'm like, what the hell is this? I don't know. <laughs> so uh, that totally makes sense. It's just like, I don't know what I do with this. Yeah. <laughs> um, so as an entrepreneur and business owner yourself, what advice would you give fellow business owners when it comes to running their businesses? I think it's super important to have some sort of mentor or coach. Um, I've had a variety over my career and it's okay that you outgrow them. I outgrew some of mine. Um, but for what I needed at the time, like, so I kind of find what's my business need or what do I feel like a weakness of mine is. Uh, and I hire someone to either help me figure it out or to create a system to maybe train another team member to do it. And then we accomplish that. It's like, Hey, thank you. I appreciate what you did. You got compensated for it. I'm not moving on to my next problem. But as I look at the growth of my own firm from, being the one guy in a 10 by 11 inside office with no windows. <laughs> uh, and now this, like we, uh, it's, it's crazy. We have 33, 32, 33 employees now. It's, I mean, we keep, we're actively hiring even now as we speak. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can see like how each mentor helped us take a leap. And I, I just, we have so many blind spots as an owner and it's lonely if you have team members, you can't talk to them about this. If you don't have a team, you can't talk to your family about this. They think you're filthy rich. Mm-hmm. They're going to be like, oh, look at you, you big baby, crying about your problems. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? You have problems and you deserve to cry about them when you want to. That's healthy for your mind to say, you know, this is stressful. Mm-hmm. Like I said earlier in the beginning, the economy of the world is on your shoulders. Like we're providing more jobs as small business owners than any other size business. Uh, and so it's stressful. And guess what? As in a growing company, you're the most incompetent person because you've never grown or had a business the size that it's at because you kept growing past it. Like I'm the most incompetent person in my business. I've never had a company this size before. Mm -hmm. I don't know what to do. So I hire someone to help me. How do I grow a team? How do I hire an executive team? What does that look like? What are the things that we need to be aware of? So like, I love how like my I feel great about my company and I'm happy with the product we're delivering, but there are so many things I want to fix mm-hmm. um, that can improve our team members' lifestyles and improve our clients' um, experience. But so, man, I would just say the biggest thing is have that person in your life. There's, it is not worth it walking alone. 
Yeah. Yep. No, I totally agree. That's actually the one that comes up every single time when, when I ask that question is that like, get some, for God's sake, find someone to help you. Or I wish I'd had a mentor or a coach sooner um, because it is so hard. And there's just so much we're as human beings, we cannot be objective about ourselves. I feel like it's one of our saddest flaws is that like, we'll never see how amazing and uh, how amazing we are, how perfect we are and how all the potential that we have, because we're just in our own heads all the time, like creating our own problems, you know, inventing things that didn't exist before to be stressed out about. Uh, I've never done that. That's just, that's a friend example. Yeah. Yeah. Start worrying about shit that hasn't happened yet. Um, But yeah, it's so, it's so important to just have somebody to just like get it out. Like you said, it's like a therapist, like, you know, get your, get the stuff out of your brain and, and like talk through it with somebody sometimes too, is just, if that's a mentor or somebody that's, um, you know, a friend that's a trusted, they own a business too. And you can be like, Hey, like what the hell? Like, am I losing my mind? And they're like, no dude, like you're fine. Sometimes that's all you need. It's just be like, it's okay. You're okay. (laughs) Um, it's hard sometimes. So yeah, no, it's great. Um, what other, can you think of any other resources that you didn't already share? Like you were talking about profit first and all that stuff other resources that would help people um, along their journey? I mean, there's so many. I know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, is there anything else I've talked about that I use regularly that it, um, I, I don't, it's not necessarily a resource, but you know, if you have team, you better be meeting with them once a week. Whoever, whoever directly reports to you, you should be meeting with them once a week doesn't need to be a long meeting, but um, that's been critical because as your company grows and if you want your company to grow, because um, that's another thing, I think too many people hire and then realize it's a lot of work and it's a different skill set to manage a team than it is to grow the business like you have been growing. A lot of people are, get scared of that and don't necessarily realize it's a skill they can learn and they're just like, it's too much work. I'm going to go back to myself. Uh, so if you're making the decision consciously that you want to run your business and have a solo, you are the person and it's, and that's it. Um, if you consciously make that decision, more power to you, but more, the people I see that are making the decision to just be themselves, um, it's because they're running away from developing the management skills. Yeah. I think if you have a great business, which I think all of us as business owners believe we do, doesn't it make sense that people in the industry should be working for you than your competitors, which means you have to grow. Mm-hmm. And in order to grow, uh, you know, having weekly team meetings with your people is super critical because that's the only way to figure out the pulse of how things are going. Yeah. Um, we're to the point now I don't interact with my, all my team members on a daily basis. So I need to find out from my bookkeeping manager once a week, how are things going? How's the team responding? Is anybody down? Is anyone, you know, like mm-hmm. where, what, you know, uh, I, I wouldn't get that information if I didn't have those direct report meetings. Yeah, that's huge. That's I, I've always followed that formula when it comes to um, leading a team is very regular. Um, usually it kind of depends on which which type of uh, environment I'm in. But um, yeah, it ha- I've peers that were just like, oh, you know, one on one once a month is fine. I'm like, uh, no, it's not. Um because when they're in trouble, they're going to feel like they're in trouble every single time, even if it's something that's just like, hey, we need to talk about this. Why did you, whatever the thing, right? Instead of just being able to have a conversation, be like, hey, I had a question, you know, it's like, there's this whole other, yeah, talk to your people. Otherwise, you're, you have no idea what's going on. And you don't know, sometimes there's drama that you need to squash, or someone's really unhappy. And you, if you don't know, and you don't know why, then you just people disappear. And you're like, why do we keep losing employees? Yeah. And the bigger you get, um, the less your team is going to be willing to tell you the truth, but they uh, tell your managers the truth. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so that's where I get the real good information. It's like, yeah. well, so-and-so actually is stressed out about this decision. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, then let's talk to them about it. Because if you ask him, if I ask that person directly, they're like, oh, no, everything's great. I'm fine. Yeah. I'm fine. Yeah. I'm fine. Well, Please don't fire go, me. <laughs> yeah. They go to the booking manager and like, ah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep. I haven't slept in three weeks because my kid's sick or whatever. It's just, yeah. Um, no, I totally, I'm on board. I like your style, John. Uh, <laughs> well, tell us how we can support you, how we can get in touch with you, um, et cetera. Stalk you on the internet, you know? 
Um, yeah, stalk us on the internet. Insight Tax, all the social medias were at Insight Tax. Um, our website is insighttax.com. And that's like to incite a riot, I-N-C-I-T-E-T-A-X. And if you actually want to go to insighttax.com backslash wealth, um, we have been talking about expenses a little bit. We have a free resource. There's a ton on there, but um, it's the nine questions that we go over with our clients on how do you analyze each specific expense. Um, so if you want that as a resource, insighttax.com backslash wealth, you can find it there. Um, but yeah, that's that's the best way to get a hold of us. Okay, cool. Yeah, and I'll put the links. The links will be in the show notes and on the social media posts and stuff too. So um, if you're driving your car, please don't wreck. It'll be fine. You can get it again. <laughs> you can get it later. Uh, that's when I listen to podcasts anyway. So I'd be like, Urgh. it's fine. Um, John's John's into taxes, not the law. So, right. Well, I mean, there's, right. it's fine. Anyway, um, thank you very much. I greatly appreciate it. It's been a lovely conversation, even though you're an accountant. Like I was like, this guy. Um <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be boring. No, <laughs> no, it's great. I uh, greatly appreciate it. And um, I'm sure I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, you bet. 